Okay, what a morning. It's been rich and full. There's more to come. There's a lot more. So I'm going to invite my dad. I'm going to invite Bob and I'm going to invite Dave Price to come and join me on the stage if you can. And uh, let's welcome these aged gentlemen who have carried much for this community. Yeah. Yeah. Where's Dave? Is Dave in the bathroom? He's taking a break. Well, he'll join us. I'll sit on the end and you, you can sit there, Dad, next to me. Bob, sit in number three if that's okay. And then Dave can sit on the end. Dave's, I think Dave's going to make a grand entrance. I think that's what's going to happen. So Jude, this is the keyboard one here with my dad, and Bob's got, don't, don't, don't cover the mic, and then this is the one Nathan was singing in, that one, and Dave's got tomorrow's mic, I think, yeah. Okay, awesome, we're going to just have a little bit of a conversation up here, and just go a little bit back in history and tell some of the stories, and it's nice to have you in your bright floral shirt here this morning, looking very good, looking very good, but I, <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, eh? Um, you know, I want to just paint a bit of a picture here of what, as we have some conversations and just talk about the goodness of God, you know, and 30 years is a long time. A lot has happened, but I want to, I want to foundation the conversation we have here today. Kathleen, we listened to a talk the other morning in the car. We never really listened to them, but I got stirred by this, and I want you to remember those living stones. All those stones are hanging on that cross there. It's, it's symbolic of what we're doing here. You know, if you go and look at the story in the Bible and you look at Gideon for one example. You know, Gideon was a man who didn't believe in what God could do through him. He's like, me? Why me? Like, are you sure you got the right guy? And then God used him miraculously to, to see Israel fight many battles. And it says in, um, in the, sorry, let me just get the right folder here quickly. Um, it, says in, it says in chapter 6, you can see uh, the, the mighty works that, that, that um, welcome Dave. Great to have you join us. Sorry. <laughs> it's fine. At 80, you've got to do the toilet break. I understand. Eh? I get it. Eh? <laughs> but in Judges 6, it speaks about Gideon and his own self-belief and not realizing and believing God, but then did great exploits. But this, it says this by chapter 8. It says, eight, chapter 8, verse 34. And the people of Israel did not remember the Lord their God, who had delivered them from the hand of all the enemies on every side, and they did not show steadfast love to the family of Gideon in return for all the good that he had done to Israel. In two chapters, they forgot everything. And it reminded us, we were listening to that and spoken about, and years ago, I preached on this, when the, guy, the Israelites crossed the Jordan, the Lord told them to put memorial stones in the river, uncut, just put 12 stones in the river to remember. So every time you will see them, it's a remembrance of what God has done. And you look right at the end of Judges, and this is Bob's, one of his favorite verses, and it says right at the end in chapter 21, verse 25, and it says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And so what we're doing today, you see, we are remembering what God has done for us. It's so important to go back and remember. Think of the memorial stones in your life 
of what God has done through you. Our house that we live in is like a memorial stone to what God has done. Miraculously, God provided for us that house stands through cars we own. They are stones. They are memorials of the goodness of God. This building is a memorial stone to what God did in us. And we'll hear the story now to talk about it. So we're going back to remember because I know in our own lives, we hit tough times, we hit difficult things, and we're like, oh God, where are you? Just remember. Just remember what He's done and His faithfulness because He doesn't change with the things that He walks through. So now when we speak, we're going to remember and we're going to see how each of these gentlemen played their roles in we, us being able to sit here today. Totally different roles, but all played a part. And now you see in the culmination of it is that if each one does our own thing, the collective together is incredibly powerful. And it, and it is a real joy. And I honor you with everything inside of me for what you have planted into my heart and life that I can sit here with such confidence knowing that God is for us because of seeing what you've done. You are like a remembrance to me in my life. And I see what they walked through and I look back upon you and all you've walked through, you're still standing strong and still going and we honor you. It's a joy to have you with us this morning. So we, we sat a couple of weeks ago just talking and remembering, you know, the things that God has done. And, you know, when you got saved in 1974, and at that point, he was like, I want to go into the ministry. He felt a call on his life. But my mom was like, hell no, not now. Because she looked at how the women were dressed in the church at that stage. And she thought, there's no ways I'm going to full-time ministry. They look boring. They look like they don't have life. And she was right. And they waited. And they waited. And in 1987, the call for my folks to go into ministry came. And it was within Jubilee Church. And it's Steve Schlesinger. It's just a, a joy to have you join us here this morning. Steve. He's part of Jubilee. Let's give him a welcome yeah. here this morning. Yeah. Yeah. Steve's been on the staff for, I don't know, probably over 20 years there now. Eh? Oh, he's lost number. You're a numbers guy, but the, ba the bay is birthed out of Jubilee. You know, and you started on staff there, but then you had it in your heart regards a community and leading a church community and that. So tell us a little bit about the point of then starting to plant the bay. What was in your and mom's hearts? at that time of just God calling you and at the early 90s, God speaking? Yeah, so um, um, God called me on the night I got saved. Really, Jake, that's, I'm going to share this with his mom, my wife, so we can get it. You know, because in those days, people were in Bundy's and Kimberley's dresses. <laughs> he said, I'm going to get him into Bundy's. <laughs> and Kimberley's dresses for girls. And, and hats. And he's Florence. That's his own wife. And my mom, yes, I just don't touch it. And, um, um, we moved to Cape Town quite, quite um, miraculously, really. Um, I changed jobs. I was in Grahamstown. I got offered another job in Kimberley Hill. I said, six months, come to Cape Town. And then God's directly unlocked my, my heart for ministry. And um, Greg was on the beach at um, St. James with our four kids, reading an article by one of the couples that were on the screen, Wendy and Brenda. Not with us, I can say it now. She hated to, but the title of the article mentioned, and the title of the article was When, um, when the Woman Who Is Released. And she read this article, and God spoke to her, and I said, I told you. You see, I told you. 13 years I tried to hide And she called me, I came home, we went to go see the pastor, it's in the, in the field, and he said, um, No, you can't do it, that's not God's will, you can never do it. So we came home, and I told Wendy, quickly, Prayed. He said, no, God spoke to us. So we went back. 
he said, I like that. He said, you wouldn't just come to me and say, I want to go into the ministry. He said, if I could have played more golf, that's why. And he said, Maya doesn't go out on those days. And so we were there, and that was 1987. First of April, 1987, Bernie started. So then a couple of years go by, but then the opportunity to plant the bay so comes about. Yeah. The opportunity in Bahamas, was on an English retreat, Tony Bruno was on that thing with, with us. And he said, I want to do a group that Jeff and Bill are going to go and take with a group of 30 people who are musical and want to plant a church. Can we go pray about it? So we left Bahamas. By the time we got to Survivor's Pass, Brother told us, we're going to go plant a church. Third child, daughter, um, Lisa, met me at Pace Club. I said, Pace, why is a piece of wood not on it? Because I enjoyed just being a team, not having too much responsibility. And she gave us Easter's cakes and everything. So a piece of wood went big with it, and underneath there was a box sponsor on it. And so suddenly, <laughs> I, had, I had to own responsibility, but we really felt God wanted to, you know, use us in this community. We came here. So what, so what was in your heart? Now the buck stops with you. Now you're going to lead a community. You know, what was in your heart to, what would you want to see in a people? So we've been very influenced by um, a set of meetings with a guy called Rocky Mountain and the work of the Spirit. Big and I were, freedom. Freedom was the key word. And I want you to see, you see, when the DNA is built right, we are 30 years later. That evidence is still here. I know many of you that have joined us in the last few years and you've found life. You've found freedom, but there's grace. So this, the evidence is still there because it's the spirit that is moving. We always say it's a, it's a community of the spirit, not a community of people. And then we like hopefully come together. It's of the spirit first. That's why we can be one. And again, so there were two verses that were clear and spoken to you about the beginnings and the startings of that, that Deuteronomy 7 and Zechariah 4 passage.
And so the Deuteronomy passage is little by little, I will give you the land. And I think when you look back, the little by little over 30 years is quite a lot. And it's just the faithfulness to keep going and stepping forward. So there are many memorial stones in our hearts. I've realized I don't have that clicking thing. It's in the lectern. Sorry, I want to just move that PowerPoint. Bella, if you can just get that PowerPoint up and running as we start the journeys of stuff. So 93, we start and... Uh, you need an administrator. You need someone who's not not then, not then. Yeah, sure. Carry on. Yeah. So maybe Bob, just give us. You know, so you've been at the bay since the beginning. Give us some of those impressions of your first arrival at the bay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so we we have been in an Anglican church um, for about seventeen years, and uh, you know there, there was there was something missing. We knew. Towards the end, it was fine. They were a wonderful community, but there was something missing. It was that the worship leaders might just turn it was life. Yeah, it was life. And uh, perhaps my wife started going to Jubilee for the evening meetings and was getting more and more excited. And then she took me along on October the third, nineteen ninety-three. Wow! And uh, there were balloons. And there were streamers and there were smarties. And <laughs> I thought, what, what's this? And they were, they were saying goodbye to Joseph and presenting them with a washing machine. <laughs> and then the following week, we uh, met at the Musenberg uh, School Hall. So there, there was some normality in the meetings. They put away the balloons for one week and then just... But it is, it's interesting. You start a church and you plant something. Everyone arrives there for the first week. So the 10th of October, there was way over 100 people. The second week, on the 17th of October, there are 30 people in the quarter. Reali reality hits, you know. And But then, you know, your journey, and I, we were talking on the phone, you know, for you then coming into the office and the being a part of things. You came on part-time and started helping. I think we were in Yarmouth Road which was Neil Steiger owned a house and we used that as a church office in, in Yarmouth Road for a while. But just explain that evening where that, I can't even remember that night, that guy that came and he gave you a word that then led to more of you coming into the office.
So that's that's about 1996 now. Okay, so from and then from the Yarmouth Road and that small church office into Dave Price to the next part of the story and how God intertwines everybody here. Because if you look at these photos, that's obviously the building here. But that house there is in Henley Road in Musenberg. So maybe, Dave, just tell us a little bit of a history about this property and then some of the journey as it came about for the church. In fact, I gave this a title of the provision of God. It should have been the plan and the provision of God. But, um, yeah, this, this house, um, I owned it at one stage, and then Peter Bonney came along, and I knew Peter from, Jeho from Johannesburg old days. And he was an old friend of ours, an artist as well. And... Um, Peter stayed with us in St. James, and he said, no, they were thinking of living here, and I said, well, there's a house that I've got, but you can have a look. Anyway, they, they came and they bought it. So then Peter owned it, and then Peter went off to, to Clarence with, with Steve. So he sold the house, and so, so the church bought the house, and it became a sort of manse, or I don't know what you could call it, Jeff, but it was a... I mean, it was used for everything. <coughs> and... Um, and then, do you want me to carry on with no, the... You finish this. So now, Pete invites you to his house. Now, now I invited myself. There was cricket on. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting in, in uh, Yarmouth Road here, and I thought, ah, oh, cricket, Pete. And Pete looked across the play, and he made very good tomato and onion sandwiches and a little cup of tea. So I went across, and as I was going across, I felt God speak to me and say to, him, say to Pete, ask him about the house. Because I thought, well, maybe the church can buy the house because we don't have anything local and it's good to have a, uh, you know, a presence where we can use the house maybe for offices. So when I got there, we had the tea and the sandwiches, watched a bit of cricket, and I said, Pete, what are you doing with the house? And he started crying. And I said, gee, I'm sorry. <laughs> he said, no, we prayed this morning that we were not going to get an agent involved in the sale. Somebody would walk in and say, we want to buy the house. So I said, well, we want to buy the house. And, and, and the church bought the house. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, so from Dave Price owning the house to Peter Bonney coming to the Bay and owning the house, the next of the Bay then owned this property for a number of years as their church office. And uh, you had a beautiful view from your office, both of you upstairs. Those two windows on the top left and right were either one of the offices. Yeah. And that, but we had many amazing meetings in the downstairs area. We broke many plastic chairs as people would fall around and do their thing. But it's in this time, you know, when, when around 96 kind of time, when Clarence Dickler Bank Church was planted with Stephen Heather, Heather Oliver. And then we would go through to Langerbahn on Wednesday evenings to support Jacques and Megan Adamo, who uh, planted Beacon Community Church in Langerbahn, which is still going today, and they're connected with other groups of churches, but it was in that time that God really opened doors and things, you know, started happening with other church communities and going about, you know, and so, I don't know, any stories, any memories from those times and moments that are coming up? I want to tell you one story about Steve Oliver, they were also, and they were in Clarence over 20 years ago, he went to Toronto because there was a real move of the spirit, and he was lying on the floor, which is, you know, what often happened in those meetings. We used to say, the floor came up to meet you. And he was lying on the floor in Canada, South Africa. And uh, an English guy who couldn't walk because he was also a little bit inebriated, crawled across to him and prophesied over him and said to him, you are going to go and serve the daisies of Africa. 
And Steve had a passion for Clarence and especially for the people that were, the township folk. And God just spoke to him. So he came back from Toronto. I mean, in South Africa and in Canada, he's spoken to by an, by, an, by an Englishman. And he said, we're going to Toronto. I said, I've been to Clarence. I said, no, you can't just do that. We've got to do this properly. Um, whatever properly was, we didn't know what properly was. But he felt God had spoken to him. So we went in a combi and we went to Clarence. Then we stayed on a little farm there. We are praying one night in this little house we were staying, and a storm broke out, and God spoke to us clearly that he had to go, so we came back, and off Steve went, and that church has planted churches into Lesotho, that church has um, sent people to Dubai, to India, to, you can't believe what that church has done as a result of him being, he spoke to me the other day, he said to me, Jeff, all the hours I spent on the Musenberg High School dirty floor, Letting the Spirit of God speak to me was the foundation for what God's doing. And lots of things God does. Let me tell you, folks, we don't know. Because the mind can't conceive what God is doing. But when He works on the heart. That's right. So as, as the, the kind of years you roll by, you've always had it in your heart to, for us to have a building. So Bob, just give us a little bit of indication of what it was like working with the school and using a school hall as the administrator and trying to, and setting things up and arriving there every Sunday to, to do church in this building. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the, um, the, church, the, the school hall was not all that clean. You know, they left it on a Friday. They just walked away from it. So one of the things, we used to get there about 8 o'clock in the morning on the Sunday, and we used to, we got home groups, so we had a, a sort of, uh, roster of the various home groups, and then we would uh, clean the sweep the floor, and we would put out the chairs, put up the, the, the banner at the back, clean, clean the toilets, clean the kitchen, provide the toilet rolls. <laughs> and then, just the logistics. Yeah. And then the school would contact you on a Tuesday about something they're blaming us that yeah, we broke. Yeah, exactly. Correct. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. So exactly. it was a joyous time yeah. working with the school. Yeah. 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 An old couple who. Uh, Glory now, so I can talk about them. You <coughs> get me when I get me. Ken and Alma Prentice used to be in, in the bay, and they used to serve the tea and coffee. And when I arrived, they used to serve, you know, Frisco or something. I don't know. So I said to him, Uncle Ken, look, we're going to get some decent coffee in here. And he said, Oh, cool, then I'll also have some when we make coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so he used to serve it, but hated it, wouldn't drink it, but served it for the people. I, I just want to say something about Henley Road, the offices in Henley Road. We had a, a couple in the in the church who'd been with us for a while, um, and uh, Drew was kind of spiritual. And one day she came to church and she said, "She said the Lord's told me that I must come and anoint you with oil." So Jeff said, "Well, that's that's okay." Um, <laughs> Come on Thursday morning. So she arrived, lived there one Thursday morning, and called us into Jeff's office. And Jeff was sitting there on a chair with the pose, you know, <laughs> hoping for a little dabble do. And she called out this 250 milliliters of olive oil. <laughs> 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 
Well, it's more than anointing. Yeah, that's a, that's a rub down. Goodness yeah. gracious me. There are many stories. Yeah, Bill and Drew. Some of us remember. Well, Drew actually phoned me one when we didn't have a New Year's service one year. And it was on the 1st of January was the meeting. And we decided not to have a meeting. And she phoned me up and said, where am I going to get my pastor's blessing from now on the 1st of January? I said, well, why don't you just wait till the 8th or the 7th and we'll do it on that day. No, I need my blessing on the 1st of January. I was like, well, you're going to have to wait a week and we'll be there together. Yeah, yeah, the anointing thing was so messy. So, I mean, I was just full of water, so I went home. And when I got home, Ruth said, what on earth did you do? So I said, I got anointed. And you never wore that shirt again. No, that was done. So, you know, we went in that church office, you can see there, and then you always had a heart to have our own building and stuff. So explain and talk about that piece of land, and you can see, you know, there's, there's, it's a piece of land there, that green little strip there you'll see on the, on the pictures there. Now, you, what do you used to do? You used to walk, you used to do all sorts of things on this piece of property that we believe God was going to open doors for us. So the, the property is just below the false place station, and there's, uh, there's development on it now. And there was nothing on the property except frogs. Um, and so, yeah, and water. And so I used to go walk on the property because I felt this, the church could own this. And um, I was walking on it one day because the Bible says everywhere you put your tread, you know. You, so I'd walk all over it and pray. And I bumped into a guy one day who was taking photographs for Musenberg. And he said, what are you doing? So I said, um, I'm walking on the property he said, what for? I said, I'm claiming it in the name of Jesus. And he said, oh, can I take a photograph of you? I said, sure. And he took a photograph. And every time I drove past that property to come to the office, I'd roll my window down, automatic, and I'd shout at it. And I'd say, you belong to me. You're coming home. You're coming home. And then we eventually found out who in the railways department it belonged to. The headquarters were up in Springs. Yeah, so yeah. And, and then Dave, Dave Price, who's a property man, said, look, I'm going up that way, I'll go to Germany. So, Dave, tell us a little bit about your meeting up in... Wasn't yeah, I know. Well, the, the land belonged to a subsidiary of the, of the South African Railways. It was their, their retirement setup. It was called Trans 50 for anything or something like that. And um, so I tracked this chap down and went to see him. And I told him I was from the church and uh, we were interested in buying this piece of ground. And I didn't know, first, he was a chartered accountant, but he was also, um, he sat on the board there of this, this place. It's quite a big setup. Um, and he said, it's fortuitous that you've come to me today. He said, because our board has just decided to sell this property. So I said, oh, that's interesting. Uh, you know, what, what, what price do you want for it? So they said, well, they'd put a million rand price tag on it. And I said, no, that's way too much. The church could never borrow that. I said, listen, on behalf of the church, I'll offer you 400,000 rand. But here's the deal. There's no deposit because it's going to be subject to rezoning. So we'd have to rezone the property for a church. Um, and then when we get the rezoning, I said, I'll do all the rezoning for you. When we get the rezoning, we'll pay you the 400,000 rand. You want me to carry on? <laughs> so I came back to Cape Town. Anyway, a couple of weeks later, this chap phoned me and he said, the board has accepted your offer. I couldn't believe it. I said, this is, yes. So this is around 2000 and 
two. Yeah, right? but I can't, yeah, I can't remember all the dates. Yeah, yeah. Bob, Bob knows more about the dates than I do. Anyway, they accepted the offer, so I had another friend of mine who's also a Christian who's an architect. It wasn't Bob, it was another chap. Um, and I got him to do a sketch plan. First of all, I asked Jeff, what, what, do you, what do you want? So, so Jeff said, well, I want an industrial type building that will seat 600 people with a double story office block at front. So I said, no, I understand that to have been. A chap called Graham Chater, who was the architect, to do these designs, which are the next one. There's the next one with the, that's it. And that was the design that he, he gave us. And I used that, the sketch plan to, to get the rezoning on the property, which I think took about 18 months to two years, didn't it? Anyway, we got the rezoning. But you know what the amazing thing is, if you look at that building and what we're in today, they were almost identical. It was amazing. My hair stood on end when Jeff said, no, we found a property here. I didn't find this property. You found it. <laughs> well, you see standing up. <laughs> so maybe, 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 just, just give some details about, yes, you know, we purchased it for 400000 and we rezoned it, but some of the next phases that took place then, I know you said Bob was very instrumental in helping and following up with things. Just quickly... Well, the next part of that was really more the financial side because I, I did an estimate on what it would cost to build this building and with all the parking, that was big expense. Um, and the site had a lot, of, a lot of water on it. So I went to Jeff and I said, look, Jeff, this is going to cost at least $5 million at the time. I knew the church had no money. I mean, we had no money. So he said, oh. So, he said, oh. so I said, well, look, I think I could sell the 11 Henley Road for a million rand. We net a million out of that. And I said, if we've got the rezoning on this land, I could sell it for around about three and a half million. We sold the property for 4.2 million and sold Henley Road for a million. And the church had 5.2 million rand in the bank. Yeah, it was amazing. It was just a provision of God. I mean, it was just absolute. And then, um, you want to carry on? I was just, we had this piece of land. Dave, David worked on it, Bob and worked on it. But developers started phoning me because they heard we had a piece of land. And so I said to Dave, what do we do? So he said, well, Tell them to write what they think it's worth. Oh, we did a closed tender. We yeah, did a closed tender. That's a closed tender. We sat in an office and they all brought their closed tenders. And we bought it. We paid 420,000 rand. And 18 months later, we sold it for 4.2 million. Yeah. And then it was Grant Unser who was looking at another building in an area in retreat yes. where the Melamine right. Hospital is now. Yes. Yes. There was an industrial site there. Yes. And his friend said to him, so just give a little bit of history of this building that we're well, now. Well, the same chap that owned the land of Melamed Hospital, he owned this property. And this, this had been built, it was a light bulb factory, and it was what they called a counter-trade deal. When it was just when, when um, Mandela was released and all at that time. And the new government entered into what they called counter-trade agreements where predominantly Chinese came in and they did a deal with some property owner and he would build a building for them and this was a light bulb factory. And they stayed for six months and then boop, they'd left. 
And this poor chap was left standing with the property standing empty, nobody paying rent, and they'd all gone. And uh, it was, again, just the timing was perfect. Mm. Right. Yes. And then that entered us into the fray, and then we had just sold that land, yes. sold the Henley Road, and yeah. we had all this money in the we bank. We had the money. To yes. Purchase. Yeah, the timing was absolutely perfect. Yeah. 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 Brilliant. So here we sit in this building since 2004. We moved the staff into the top section on that side. In 2005, we celebrated mm -hmm. and had our first building of our first meeting in here, just some highlights of that first meeting. Can I meeting. just say something? Yeah. When we, we moved into the offices first, if you remember, and this this whole building, including the foyer, was a light bulb factory. There were, there were three production lines down the middle here. And we'd been in the offices about, what, two months, uh, three months? And one Monday morning, there's a knock on the door, and it's seven Indian gentlemen. <laughs> And they, they, bought hey, hey, <laughs> they bought the machinery and they'd come to dismantle it and decorate it and to send it off to India. And then we had access to it. the hall, yeah. you remember? Yes, yeah. 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 yes, yes, yes. And so we've been in this building and so we can thank God for his provision. That's why I say it's like a memorial stone to us. Of we remembering what God did miracles that... And but you see the roles each one played. You were not a property guy, but you needed a property guy. Yeah. And how we all played parts to see the miracle kind of play out. You know, so let's kind of fast forward. We move into this building and this is the stories. Yeah, they come. So, so if you buy a building from the church, you've got to have parking. Yes. And so there were two stands next door, and um, I think they, I think it was like 1.2 million rand for the stands. And we had now all this money, so we were getting this building and we negotiated to buy the land. And I had to go and sign the land off at the journey's office in Fishhook. And, you know, we had no money, but now suddenly we've got millions. <laughs> so I'm sitting in the attorney's office feeling very good, very happy. And so when, when a pastor comes into a business situation, they always put on a religious, you know, <laughs> a very sweet and nice, nice to meet you, pastor. He said, so, uh, Pastor, just, um, we, you know, the church, um, how, how, how are you going to pay you know, for, for the land? I said, oh, we'll just give you a check. <laughs> As if to say, you know, you think the church has got no money. What are you talking about? So he said, oh, no, I said, bank guarantee. We'll just give you a check. We'll just transfer some money. Oh, okay. You were shocked. Because you thought we were going to say, well, we're going to go to the bank and try and get money. But... I got into the parking lot and I said, Lord Jesus, forgive me, but I love it. Who does he think he is? The church has got no money. The God we serve is the Yeah, you one moment of pride. That was good. Enjoy it. I did repent. That's good. So, you know, we fast forward the years and you got to a point where you felt, you know, it was time for you to kind of lay down the leading of this community and all the miracles involved. I think you finished working in 2006, that's 2007 in the office. I came in on about 2008 time, you know, and that kind of role that as an, as an administrator as well, all the background stuff you kind of have. But just share briefly on your heart that you've been now leading this church for nearly 20 years, you know, and what was happening and what was God saying to you and you were feeling it was time to hand over the reins. So I felt that um, two years before I turned 65, um, I needed to, we need to get younger <laughs> blood. 
to take on because you know you you do something for 20 years and if if you're older you 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 get less creative because you like routine and I felt God needed to bring some fresh understanding fresh ideas and so on so I said to the elders you guys have got to pray I didn't want to say you know my son's going to take over I didn't want any of that um, I wanted him to, but I wanted the elders themselves. And they all came back. They said, look, it's obvious. It's going to be... We had a meeting here one night. There was a guy that sat over there. Very prophetic guy. And I was, I was asked to try and disciple this guy. He wasn't a member, but he was visiting. Remember that? And he stood up and prophesied very loudly. Sheldon was leading worship or leading something. And he said, that man will lead this church. And everybody said, who is this? Who is this? And, you know, and it was a prophetic word. And Sheldon knew from the age of 14, I think, that he was going to be in the ministry. I persuaded them. I said, you do not want to be in the ministry. You do not want to be in the ministry. It's too hard. But uh, here he is. And look what God has done. Now, I remember that evening. It was February 2007. And we had just come back. Actually, it was an evening meeting. And he called me out. I stood right over here. And he said to me, within five years, you will lead this community. So it was in 2012, five years later, where you have decided in your heart, it's time for me to kind of lay the reins down. The prophetic words have been spoken years in the making, but you cannot push God's timing. You need to trust his timing for things. And I wasn't, we weren't trying to push you out, you know, that was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the joy of stuff, you know. So I'm in times of essence here. So we, so we fast forward uh, over the years, the things that have happened, you know, uh, thinking in 2012 or 2013, we planted Bethel Community Church in Lavender Hill. You know, uh, Antoine and Mati went back to the DRC in about 2010, 2011 time and planted the Bay Community Church. In 2020, we sent Morton back to Malawi and he planted um, Blantyre City Church, you know. And God continues to work. If I look at how Errol, you know, came on board, how God spoke to us clearly about him. And he followed the call. Now we see how Tino's come on board and God, he's followed the call. He, when we spoke to Tino, he knew way before that he would be playing this role God spoke to him and the journey goes on you know and we're sitting at this point here as a memorial but as we kind of wrap up here there's so many stories to tell and speak but I I want to honor fathers okay who have run ahead of us because as I said to you if you see what each one has done the roles they've played I'm now the younger generation I want to sit here in 20 years time and being able to tell the stories of God's goodness and the younger generation coming through, speaking to us about the things that you did, the things you believe God for. But here we are celebrating, remembering the goodness of God. So I want to thank you, Dave. I want to thank you, Bob. And I want to thank you, Dad, for what you guys ran ahead of us as a younger generation. Now we are living on the fruits and the benefits of all your labor. So we honor you. Let's just go ahead. Yeah. 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 Amen. 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 That's right. And I mean things changed radically when she passed in. Yeah, bless In twenty eighteen now, you know, and we all wondered whether my dad would continue ministry. But you know, you've just kept running and walking yeah. and yeah. doing the things of God and we do honor you. And as a son, I can thank you. You keep running. And I just keep running in that way. One day you'll stop and then we'll overtake and my children will run in my way. 
introduce them, but he's got it on his He'll never stop. I want to hand to him now because he's going to preach to us for 10 minutes and then we're going to wrap up. Amen. Are you okay, Dave? The good things that God has done. It's a full day. Hang in there. We're nearly there, but it's good stuff. You understand? Yeah, there we go. I've got very strict instructions that, that I've got 10 minutes. And I haven't preached in this church for so long. So, uh, yeah, hold on. No, I won't. I won't, I promise. So, um, thank you very much for honoring me. You know, my, my parents were pineapple farmers. I was a farmer's son. I, I wandered around cowfoots on the farm, walked in cow sheds in the cow done barefoot, and that's why my toes are so far apart when you look, because always walking, in, and that was my life. And I, I had no idea what God was going to do with my life. And uh, in uh, Genesis chapter 11, it says this, Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran became the father of Lot, and so on, and talks about Abram, and Abram was, was a nobody who wor worshipped pagan gods, who didn't know God, had, didn't, didn't understand about God, and, but God called him and said to him, Abram, I am going to make you into a great nation. He was uh, very old, you know the story, and Abram, the Bible says in uh, Romans that Abram believed God, and God credited that to him as righteousness, just because he believed. And on the 24th of October, 1974, God spoke to me when I got saved and said, you will work in the ministry. You'll serve me full time. You heard the story. And I believed that. I didn't know how that was going to happen because, um, as I said, Viv didn't, she wasn't on it. She said, forget it, love. It's a crazy ministry, you must be joking, because we were in a very legalistic, traditional setup when we got saved. I probably won't use those. But God spoke to me, and then I waited, and I heard a message once in a church where the guy said this, and you must listen to this, the, the timing of God to do things is often more important than the call. So Uncle A.B. and Auntie Sarah couldn't wait. So she said, A.B. darling, I've got a, 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 a maidservant here. Perhaps, perhaps the son can come from there. And at his old age, she conceived. And she birthed Hagar. Who, Ishmael, sorry, Ishmael, Hagar birthed Ishmael. Who the Bible says was like a wild donkey. And if you know what a donkey's like, very. But they couldn't wait for the timing of what God wanted to do for them. I waited for 13 years. And then, as I say, she, God spoke to my wife. And we went and saw the folk. 
When God spoke to me, we had one child. She was little. It was easy. One child. When God spoke to her, we had four children. Because we believed the Bible that said you must go forth and multiply and subdue the earth. So we did. And my kids have taken that commandment seriously as well. They've multiplied. And I've got an addition. His name's Matthew. He's married to my eldest grandchild. I've got 10 grandkids. And uh, I've got another one. And, and through the years, I'll get more and more. It cost me a fortune at Christmas time. But, but God speaks to you. And when God speaks to you, you must listen. You must listen. Because God's heart is always for you. Now, he said to Abraham, I want you to go to a country that I'll show you. This is what he said. He said, the Lord said, leave your country, leave your people, leave your father's household. And verse 4 says, so Abraham left. Now, listen to me. That is, that is amazing. That is amazing. So when God spoke to my wife and I, we left our job. We left the house we owned. We left the company car I had. We left the expense account that I had. I left the secretary that used to run around for me at work. I left it because God spoke. And people said, how are you going to manage? The estate agent that sold my house said, you are out of your mind. She said, you are doing your wife a disservice. How dare you? Look at your small kids. How are you ever going to care for them? Nice. I'm going into the ministry. That's the word. I saw her years later, and she sheepishly said, hello. And I thought, yeah, you don't know nothing, lady. I said, you see what God has done. You see what God has done. My, my big faith, I left. I said to Viv, I said, we're going to have to move. We were staying in, in, in Bergfleet because you're like, we can't rent a house here. You know, it's. And she said, my darling, if God spoke to us, he will provide for us. So uh, he did. We found a property with six acres of land and a house on. Fortunately, the loo was separate and a bathroom, and we moved in. And we stayed there for 17 years. Belonged to the Department of Education, and it was what we could afford, but it was what God had ordained for us to have. Abram left things, and he went physical. I've finish. I can see if time's gone. I, 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 somebody won't preach. Listen to me. When, when God speaks to us now, we don't go geographically. We don't go to another. We don't leave things geographically. We leave, we, we leave things behind that are spiritual, that are causing us a hindrance in our life, in our walk with God. And the biggest problem is self. Self. And I've written here, Self-reliance, self-composure, self-satisfaction, self-confidence, self-image, self-motivation, and self-ease. Because, because when God speaks, it's about Him. It's not about you. It's not about me. I was a nobody. I am a nobody. But God speaks, and when God speaks, He'll equip you to do the call that he's put on your life. So you've got to believe that. He was going to give us the land, little by little. Leave those things behind. 
listen to me. When God speaks into your heart, you have got to learn to be obedient. Obedience is better than sacrifice. You all know the scripture, but it's so easy to forget the scripture. And if you want to keep walking with God, you must be obedient. A.B., Uncle A.B., blew it. Within, within weeks of leaving, he, there was a famine. He went down to, to, to Egypt and he lied about his wife because she was a beautiful woman. He said, look, darling, if they know you're my wife, they'll say you're my sister. Abraham is called the father of the faith. And he's called that because God wants us to see that we are not perfect, but the one we serve is perfect. And he can bring us into the spaces that we could never dream or imagine. God has done things. Sheldon and them are going to um, Australia on holiday. You heard that. And uh, it's, an, it's a miracle. It's wonderful. I was telling somebody, I know that, uh, you know, my son, that going to Australia. I said, yeah. And this is what he said. He said, yeah, but you know, pastors get that. You know, people just took on. I said, I've been doing it for 37 years, brother. I'm still waiting. What are you talking about? Get pastors, get that. <laughs> no, 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 no. God blesses us. God does things for us. God shows us things. We must walk in obedience. God unlocks our hearts so that he can download his life into us. It's all about the kingdom, the kingdom of God. And when we, when we have him unlock our hearts and he downloads kingdom values into my heart, then I've got to start living them out. Can you say amen? And if you say amen, he will unlock your heart for you. He will do it by the Spirit. It's a supernatural thing. You can't tick boxes. I hate religion and legalism. It's puffy stuff. Just puts you into bondage. It's horrible stuff. You must have relationship. Let him speak to you. Let him show you. Let him help you. Stop making excuses. Stop saying, I didn't, I can't help it. You can, you ugly thing. You can help it. Because the Bible speaks about self-control as a fruit of the Spirit. You can help it. Just be determined, I'm going to do this for the glory of God. We did this, not this. I don't know how it happened. I mean, Dave Price, bless you, Dave. Bob, Bob, Bob is so neat with things. When he became the administrator and he wrote things, I thought, grief, Bob. This, um, I better, I better brush up my la my my writing, because he was an architect and he did curse. What's that stuff called? Calligraphy. I mean, if, when he wrote a check, I mean, I didn't want to sign it and mess it up. It was. And, and, and Bob says, you know, I ta I, he taught me things. He taught me things. All these people that were involved over the last 30 years, it's a God thing. It's a God thing. It's not a man thing. God, God, God did it. I want to honor God. I want to thank my son. <laughs> You've done good, bro. You've done good. Kathleen, I, I know it's hard, but you've done well. You've done very well, and I'm very proud of you. Very, very proud of you. I was watching some of the 
thing and saw my wife standing there. She was impossible in worship, last story. She'd get lost, and then I'd have to wait because she would just lose herself and then just fall. So I, I, I'm trying to worship, and I'm watching, waiting. Here we go. Okay. Out, okay, now I can worship. She's on the floor because she would just fall. The power of God would just hit her. And then she'd say, what happened? You know what happened? We'd pray at night. She'd pray herself to sleep. She'd pray, and Lord, then she'd wake up. She'd say, what was I saying? I said, no, you can't ask me what you were saying. You were praying. And I saw the pictures. Oh, man. But you know what? She's rejoicing. She's rejoicing. Am I, am I sad? You bet I'm sad. Do I miss her? You bet. But boy, when, 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 we, when I get to heaven, somebody said, will you? I said, she won't even look twice at me. Get that into your minds because when you get to heaven, he will take every single ounce of what you've got and you will just look at this one and you will be gobsmacked, amazed. Folks, God can use anybody. Sheldon spoke about Gideon. Who was Abram? Abram was nobody. He became the father of faith. Had no kids. God took him outside and said, look at the stars. Your descendants is going to be as, as numerous as the stars. Uncle Abi. And listen, without being crude, faith without works is dead. And it was true in Abi's place as well. He was, however old he was, they had a child. And we know the story. And he was called the son of laughter. He was a happy chap. And Christians should be the happiest people on the planet. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you use ordinary, everyday people. Thank you. It said of your disciples, Lord, when they did great exploits, they said, it says of them that they, they, they took note that these were ordinary, unschooled men. But they took note they'd been with Jesus. And I pray our lives, Lord, will show that we've been with you. That you have put into us things we could never have imagined you could put in. The life, the grace, the love, the mercy. Download that stuff, God, into our hearts. And you be glorified in it, we pray. And everybody agreed and said, Amen.